Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Every year, more companies get on the pumpkin spice train. There are now pumpkin spice Twinkies. There's pumpkin spice mac and cheese. There's pumpkin spice cup of noodles. Even pumpkin spice dog treats. Of course, everyone's new favorite holiday beverage, Bud Light Pumpkin Spice Seltzer, which... We're getting drunk tonight, Grandma. <laughs> That's the Kimmel I like, doing the pumpkin spice jokes, not the lecturing me about vaccines, Kimmel. Here, here. Um, pumpkin spice mac and cheese. That sounds horrible. Um, I don't know. Pumpkin pie's yummy. Yes. And you want to mix that with macaroni and cheese? I'm trying to picture how it would taste. You know what I had for dinner last night? Huh. Pumpkin pie. For dinner. For dinner. Mm, it's practically a squash, right? Yeah, that's right. It's a it's vegetable. It's a vegetarian casserole. It said, Pumpkin casserole. It said no high fructose corn syrup or trans fat. I thought, well, there you go. it's as good as I can do. If I'm gonna gluten? Have, if I'm going to have, yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. It yeah. did have gluten. I hid it for my son. I feel bad about it. I feel guilty. <laughs> it's secret, not meth. I secretly <laughs> ate gluten behind my son's back. He's got a gluten stash. Shame. It's under his bed. In his Shame. Shoe box. <laughs> uh, coming up, the lunkhead governor of California called for a 15% water cutback because of the drought. What actual numbers Californians yeah. achieved will make you laugh aloud. Yeah. I, I know I didn't do my part. Um, oh, also, Hunter Biden, 100% on the take. It's obvious now. Smoking gun. He makes millions of dollars selling access to his dad. Come on. I'm not convinced his dad's in on it. Joe is. Yep. So I'll have more Old of that later. simple Jack needs to be hit over the head with evidence. Old trusting Jack. Always trying to find the best in people. Um, so uh, speaking of my kids, it comes up on a fairly regular basis. We'll be discussing something, and I'll say uh, they'll to be talking about their future when they grow up, and I'll say, eh, You'll have to have a pretty good job if you want to do that, or how are you going to pay for that, or something. And just, you know, reminding them that there is the, uh, the the whole, I've got to be able to pay for stuff angle of life. Right. Because I feel like, somehow, that has gotten left out of culture to a great extent. I think you could quite easily go all the way through K-12, through 12, and then all the way through college, without anybody even introducing the idea that at some <laughs> point, you have to figure out how to pay for your own place and food. Well, many of the most powerful politicians in america uh, either state explicitly or hint that you just deserve everything you want merely for existing well i also think there's the weirdness of uh we kind of imply and i don't blame young people for this i think we kind of imply as a society now that if you go to college it will just magically happen that you will have a job you like and it will pay for your stuff Right. Well, it doesn't magically happen, at least based on my life experience. It's a long way from magically happening. It is really, really hard and stressful. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is uh, USA Today, well, actually, who asked it? Some uh, polling organization. Ipsos Poll. They're a good polling organization. What does it mean to be an adult? And I've got the results here, but I'll ask Joe off the top of your head. Oh, gosh. I hate when you ask me these questions. If you had to pick one little thing. What does it mean to be an adult? And then they break it down into all kinds of different categories. You pay in your own bills. Number one was that. Mm. Nice job. 
I win. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Two-thirds of people check the box of pay your own bills. Why isn't Steve Harvey hugging me? I got number one on the survey. Now, that's when he gets wrong, right? <laughs> yes, you're bad at this. Uh, so, at the bottom, and I don't know if they gave him these choices and people checked them or what, but at the bottom, 14% getting a COVID-19 vaccine means oh. you're an adult. Uh, at 18% contributing to your 401k. You know, that's kind of close because that shows a certain maturity doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hate that one. That's another one I'm going to hammer into my kids' heads. Put into your 401k your first job. I don't care if you have to eat uh, uh, dirt. <laughs> Make sure you're contributing to your 401k because of the magic of time, don't you know? Time. The most powerful thing in all of investing. Time. Uh, the next one up the ladder, schedule annual physical, 26%. So that makes you an adult if you're scheduling your <laughs> annual physical. <laughs> yeah. God, when yeah. you're 24, you need an annual physical like, like, well, you don't need one. I couldn't right. come up with a good <laughs> Um, You need that like you need a hole in the head. If you have a hole in the head, you probably ought to get an annual physical. <laughs> your doctor would have caught that during the physical. Exactly. Hey, uh, yeah. Your reflexes are good, but what's that? What's with that hole right behind your left ear? I can see your brain. Um, have your own health insurance. So that's kind of like paying your own bills at thirty-one percent. Jeez, this one's just sad. If you're not doing this fairly early on, doing your own laundry at thirty-three percent. Oh. oh boy, you still got mom and dad doing your laundry? Oh, sad. Not live in your parents' home, forty-two percent. Well, yeah, oh my God, that's so obvious I didn't even think of it. That goes without saying. And only 42%. Except it doesn't. Not these days. No, only 42% said not living in parents' home. Of course, um, you know, housing is incredibly uh, expensive, even adjusted for inflation. I get that. I just speaking for myself, I would have had 11 roommates before I'd stayed at home. Oh, not an option. No. Not an option. You stay in a crappy place with a bunch of roommates and maybe work several jobs. Uh, have a full-time job, 46%. And then number one, by far, two-thirds, pay your own bills. So there you go. When are your kids an adult when they're paying their own dang bills? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, I guess, uh, i got to ask Judy if the kids are kicking in on the family uh, phone plan. Because we've had that forever. Mm. And uh, I suppose I ought to be taking some token amount from them. But I'm just, not there you know. yet, but i got to admit, it'd be pretty easy to let that one ride. It's just automatically coming out of your account, and you're on it. And how much more is theirs? I don't know. I'd have to ask AT&T. Yeah. And just let it slide another month, and the next thing I know, they're 47 years old, and I'm still paying their uh, their cell phone bill. From the home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, i got to figure out what their share of it is, and then, all right, so, son, you got to Venmo me $17 a month. I don't know. Just, I don't as, know. A, just, just as a cheap. gesture. It does. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So you got the, the the big ones are probably car insurance. Oh, uh, the the biggest one probably in the modern world is the cell phone bill. I'll bet, wouldn't you guess? In terms of bills that parents cover pretty willingly for a long time, that's just yeah, my guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know because there are some pretty cheap cell phone plans available out there. Hmm. That is an option. Yeah. Uh, maybe you'll have to have something not as cool as an iPhone. Maybe you won't be able to have unlimited data anymore. That might be the case. Right. I don't know. You right. know why I have an unlimited data? Because I've been working my whole life. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I've lost track. I don't know. It's it's modern subscriptionitis where you, you got a plan. I know I got a plan. I'd pay a bill, but I don't remember what's in it or why it costs what it does or. Yeah. I haven't compared it to alternatives for like a decade. My kids are young. I mean, sixth grade and fourth grade. But uh, like, yeah, at some point, if if they were cruising along, just assuming that the Netflix account and the Disney account and the cell phone bill all got shut off, it'd be, wait a second, what am I supposed to do this weekend? I got no phone and no Netflix. Well, sign up, I guess. Right, right. Well, they're young and innocent now, Jack, but they'll be prostituting themselves for Libyans any minute now. That's the way life goes. (laughs) What? Hunter Biden is on the take. He is an influence peddler, an access salesman. It's now obvious. It's indisputable. And the media and the intelligence agencies lied to us about it to get Biden elected. All that proof to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A woman thinks she saw Brian Landry up in Toronto, Canada. And the contacted authorities. I have a few more details on that later this hour. It's kind of tough in that he's got the whole shaved head beard thing going, and so does, like, every other guy his age in North America. He looks like every hipster in Toronto. Yeah. Place. Yeah. They'll get 50,000 of those uh, tips and follow up on some of them, I suspect. John Walsh of America's Most Wanted has been highly critical of the uh, the police during this thing. <clears throat> Finds it inexplicable that they let uh, old uh, Laundry get away from his, his parents' house. They weren't watching the house. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. Yeah. Unless they were, and he snuck out in the dark at night. That would be an interesting development. But more on that to come. Uh, Hunter what, Biden. Wait a second. What kind of an excuse is that? So the FBI says, yeah, we suspected he murdered her and everything. Like, But he, he snuck out in the dark. I mean, what were we supposed to do? Well, no, I'm just saying this. Uh, you know, if he really cleverly belly crawled under his neighbor fence, uh, neighbor's fence or something at night, I mean, that's proof of something right there. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Hunter Biden back in the news. Number one, absolutely everything the New York Post printed about Hunter Biden's laptop verified by the very news organization that first printed the now known to be a lie that it was Russian misinformation. Politico. One of Politico's reporters is out with a book that verifies those earlier emails. And then there's a new story on Hunter and his influence peddling, which is quite something. And Mike Emanuel reporting in clip 50. These emails about Hunter Biden were obtained by Business Insider. The first email from January 28th, 2015, written by a Democratic donor named Sam Jahari to Sheikh Mohammed al-Rabani, an Obama campaign donor. They were reportedly seeking to help recover billions in Libyan assets frozen by the Obama administration when Joe Biden was vice president. Jahari lays out Hunter's demands in a January 28, 2015 email, writing, Per phone conversation, I met with number two son. He wants $2 million per year retainer plus success fees. He wants to hire his own people. It can be close circle of people for confidentiality. His dad is deciding to run or not. 
So when Hillary and Obama inexplicably killed Muammar Gaddafi and turned Libya into an ungovernable wasteland hellhole, the U.S. froze a bunch of his regime's assets. And so this guy who was mentioned, the, 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 the donor dude, was trying to get Hunter to lobby Joe Biden to turn loose those funds when Biden was the sitting veep. And Hunter... Uh, said, yeah, I'll do it for $2 million a year, plus bonuses and that sort of thing. I get to choose my team. Uh, it's got to be close for confidentiality reasons. My favorite thing is that uh, in one of the emails where they're discussing Hunter Biden as a guy that they pay a lot of money, you know, should we give him this money or not? They list his positives and negatives, Hunter Biden. His positives are he is chairman of UN World Food Program, son of number two, Joe Biden, who has the Libya authority, right? Who has Libya file access yeah. to state treasury business partner, partner, secretary of state, John Kennedy's son. And since he travels with his dad, he's connected everywhere in Europe and Asia where Muammar Gaddafi uh, had money frozen. And then it says um, his negatives are he's an alcoholic drug addict kicked out of the U.S. Army for cocaine, chasing low-class hookers, constantly needs money, liquidity problems, and many more headaches. Hunter, you're a loser. Chasing, In short. Chasing low-class hookers. Wow. Wow. I'm guessing whenever you're paying people off for things, you're pretty used to the whole, they have a downside, because most people who get paid off for things they shouldn't do have a downside. Sure, Paul, they, Paul Manafort could tell you a lot about that business, for oh, yeah. instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Representing just, the loathsome. And you have to judge, you know, is the downside uh, so much that you don't want to risk it. Right. So uh, my belief is, going back to the earlier emails and the, uh, what was the name of the fellow who did the interviews? Uh, he was uh, the Biden's partner in a couple of business ventures. I can picture the dude. I can't remember his name. He had a great name. Yeah, I know it. Tony something? Babalooney. Yeah, you're close. Yeah. Yeah. Bobolinsky? Bobolinsky. Tony Bobolinsky. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so he made it clear that uh, he believed the 10% for the big guy was uh, Joe Biden's cut of Hunter's business ventures. Uh, I believe it's true. That's the way everybody gets rich in in Washington, D.C. But putting that aside for a moment, Glenn Greenwald, crusading journalist, his main thing, his jihad, is that the intelligence services, be be it the CIA, the NSA, are, are wildly out of control. They're too powerful. They violate our constitutional rights. They violate international norms. They're 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 rogue in many ways. He he was part of the WikiLeaks thing. Uh, Edward Snowden. He broke that story. So that's that's his big thing, and his angle on this is that all those past and present CIA guys who signed that letter, I guess it was mostly past CIA and NSA guys who signed that letter before the election saying, this uh, bears all the earmarks of uh, Russian disinformation. This Hunter's laptop story, is it's, it's obvious propaganda. They all knew it wasn't at the time. And the mainstream media either is so sucking up to the intelligence services as opposed to their their proper duty in society that they just repeated that. And then big tech joined in. They silenced anybody who even wanted to share the story. I think I think you just can't underestimate the the level of fear so many people had about Trump being reelected. They were willing to 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 throw out any principles whatsoever of journalism or anything like that. Just they're just so worried anything was going to interrupt the I would, election. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, clip 54, Glenn Greenwald, Michael. 
the new book that just came out is from this young reporter at Politico who spent months digging into all of these emails. And obviously, had he unearthed proof that these emails were forgeries and put that in his book, he would be a star. You would know his name. He'd be a household name. He'd be on every right. TV show. But because his reporting said the opposite, he found even more proof that all those emails were authentic, which meant that these media outlets, all of them pretty much, with a few exceptions, deliberately lied to the public in the weeks before the election by telling them that this was Russian disinformation when they knew it wasn't true. They're ignoring his book. He's, a, he's not a right-wing journalist. He's from one no. of the most mainstream publications. He has the proof in his hands that they all lied and they don't want anyone to know it. And then Glenn uh, engages in some pretty good media analysis, I think, in 55. So all throughout the media, this is their prevailing mindset. They know that they have an audience filled with liberals who hate Donald Trump and the Trump movement. And their only business model is to aggrandize those people. And they know that even if they lie and get caught lying, their audience and readers don't care. In fact, like them even more because they believe they're on the right side. So you have a huge numbers of journalists who believe that they have the right to lie. And even when they get caught, they don't care because they know their audience won't hold it against them. Glenn Greenwald's a liberal, by the way. He's kind of gotten pegged by a lot of people as like a Fox Trump guy. He doesn't, he doesn't like Trump. He hates corporate media, and he hates dishonesty. That's what he is. Well, and he hates media that sucks up to the real power in society. He finds it disgusting. Yeah, that's his thing. If you ever miss an hour of the show, you can get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding. Of course I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you, those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. Thank you. Probably smart politics. Probably going to work. Turn it in the make the issue being the guys and the horses that one minute incident, not the 50,000 people that were under the bridge and you've gotten like 4,000 back to Haiti. Where are the other tens of thousands? They're in the United States somewhere. Quiet, quiet. There are men on horses doing mean stuff. They're now living in your neighborhood, maybe with COVID. Who knows what? Probably sucking off the welfare uh, because uh, they got no, you know, they don't speak the language. They got no skills. They got no job. And uh, maybe you think that's a good idea. Fine. Let's vote on it. But we didn't vote on it. It's just random letting all these people into the country. But that's not the issue. The issue is the way they were strapped reminded me of corn pop way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They are so corn desperate. Corn pop was a bad dude. He'd strap you for coming across the border. Uh, Not a joke. So desperate to redirect the attention. That's a pathetic attempt to distract from the policy, the actual refugees, the effects on the country. But it works. Yeah, we'll see. And God, it's so obvious. As uh, some pundit said he sounded angrier at those 
agents than he ever sounded at the Taliban. Wow. Um, they will pay. Those guys on horses. And uh, I, I wish there had been, you know, I wish there could have been a follow-up. What would you have suggested they do when they've declared you can't come across this line and the people continue to walk across? What were they supposed to do at that point? I'd like to actually hear his answer for that. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but they can't treat him. This is worse than slavery. Maxine Waters said that. It was unthinkable, unspeakable, unforgivable. Oh, my God. What a phony. There were a couple of great uh, exchanges yesterday uh, between uh, Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki, including on this topic. Uh, Plays clip 35, Michael. In Del Rio, the feds are busing migrants to parts of Texas or flying them to Arizona. And unless they show symptoms, no COVID tests. Why should somebody, say, in Laredo, Texas, or El Paso, or Tucson, Arizona, have to have their chance of catching COVID go up because hundreds of miles away, there is an open border? Well, there certainly is not an open border. There is, according to some Texas lawmakers. Most of these Haitians are from Brazil. They got word of the fact that, you know, with the Biden administration, we have an open border policy come on in. That's exactly what Biden said two years ago. Where a nation says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. It all goes back to those Democratic debates where they would all stand there on stage and try to outdo each other with how much stuff we're willing to give to illegals. Right. And of course that resonated south of the border. Who's in favor of free health care for the undocumented? And they all raised their hand. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. One more. I absolutely love this. We've been talking about this. The 15,000 under the bridge. Let's see. 1,700, later 1,300 have been sent back to Haiti, and there are 3,000 left. Wait a minute. Where are they? Uh, Clip 36. I have a question about the numbers that you gave and the math. So there are 15,000 migrants under the Del Rio Bridge Saturday. If you add up the ones that you say were expelled or released, it's less than 5,000. Say there's 5,000 that are still left. Where's everybody else? I, I'm happy to get you a more uh, fruitful rundown for you, if you if, if helpful, from the Department of Homeland Security. And I, always, I always like the tone she uses, like, that's silly, but if that's what you want, I'll get it for you. They're so amusing. The explaining where thousands and thousands of people went. Okay, if that's what you need. <laughs> that that question will never be answered, by the way. And we know where it is. Associated Press reported it uh, two days ago. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people just bust into the country and dropped off to get them away from that border so they're not on TV anymore. Right, right. Hey, you know, I'm tempted to play the long version, but just give us the short version, Michael. 34, this is one of the things Jen Psaki said, which is very Biden-esque. We're in the middle of navigating and weathering storms and, and dealing with crises. That's what a president should do. Yeah, portraying their policy-induced debacles as just storms that beset them. Look, the people rushing the border, that was a storm that, that came up and, and, and rained upon us. Well, yeah, it did, as Jack was saying earlier, because you brought it upon yourself. Quit acting like it's the weather. Um, I don't think most of America is aware of this story. That thousands and thousands of people were just bust into the country as a purely political maneuver to get it off their plate. So... What price will they pay for it? Well, and I don't know how many people are aware of the fact that there are easily seven figures worth of folks who've snuck into the country successfully at other times and are in a town near you 
If you are a law-abiding English person, for the longest time you couldn't come at all, and if you did, you have to have proof of uh, the COVID vaccination, and, and you know you can't live here unless you spend thousands of dollars and take years of begging lawyers and officials to let you stay in the United States. But the uh, unwashed millions rush across the border, and and they pretend it's not happening. I don't know. It's just it, it, how how can you not be cynical? I am. Speaking of COVID, Michael, how old are you? Uh, 46. 46. So I'll put that into this calculator that our friend Craig just sent us, and this is legit because he's the kind of guy that researches these sorts of things. So for a 46-year-old, Michael, if you were to get COVID, your chance of dying with no treatment whatsoever is 1 in 162,000. If you get a little early treatment, which you almost certainly would, your chance of dying is 1 in a million. Actually, a little more than 1 in a million. So you're in pretty good shape there. That's good to hear. Yeah. So I did it also for my son because uh, the issue of, um, so apparently, do we, we'll need to dig up this clip. So Gavin Newsom was asked about state mandate for vaccines for children in California. It'll be the first state to mandate vaccines for all children if you want to go to school. And he was asked about, uh, the, there's going to be some pushback on that. And he said, there probably will be. But that's what we do. We keep people safe. All right. You keep people safe. So my 11-year-old, if he gets the COVID, his chance of dying with no treatment whatsoever is 1 in 16 million. If he gets a little early treatment, which he probably would, his chance of dying is 1 in 108 million. And we're going to force vaccinations on the little kids with very little data on side effects. Because of a 1 in 108 million chance of dying. That's crazy. It is. It is crazy. It's awful public policy, and it will. People will be militant in uh, resisting it. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. But uh, might play to his favor the way politics are. Everything. It, Trump has got the gravity of the sun in terms of affecting issues, and I think so many of these things, the border. The COVID, the masks, the vaccines, all the different stuff is so much of a where did Trump come down? So where am I kind of on that gravity scale? Right, exactly. How's my tribe supposed to think about this? How are we supposed to believe and act? Just tell me and I'll do it. And uh, it's just amazing how that has distorted um, people so much, even though there's practically zero risk to your kids. You might go with the vaccines because Trump was kind of anti and that crowd is anti. So I don't want to be with them. Yeah, Trump, who came up with the vaccine. That's the other, you know, bizarre double reverse of this. Anywho. Uh, speaking of the half-wit uh, governor of Cal Unicornia, so he called for 15% water savings with the worst drought in history, crippling water shortage, et cetera. Remember, of course, that California's built no significant additional water storage for like two generations as the state population has doubled because of the far-left environmental movement. But anyway... Uh, in new water use data released Tuesday for July, when uh, Governor Gaz- Gavin began asking residents to voluntarily cut back, et cetera, et cetera, water consumption across the state dropped less than 2%. Yeah, I didn't do anything. Uh, you jump in a shower, you don't think about it. Uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, and surrounding communities, which make the bulk of the state's population, conserved hardly any water in July, recording a cumulative 0.1% decline over the same month last year. So me, the uh, nihilist cynic, didn't do anything, but even the the super 
blue voting uh, care about the environment crowd didn't do anything either, really. Now, the lefty Bay Area cut back by 8.4%, and allegedly the state's north coast reduced water use by 16.7%. Mm. But I love the idea of Southern California well, by I don't, 0.1%. I don't know about you. I don't just, like, turn on the hose or flush the toilet randomly for fun. I, I, I only, you don't? <laughs> You're missing out. <laughs> I only do it when I, I need to. So, like, I don't know what I would cut back on. I can't. Well, go- I, I got a little boat I put in there, and I flush it, and I yell, it's the perfect storm. <laughs> oh, it's great. I suppose I could flush the toilet less and let it, like, accumulate and then flush it at the end of the day. I suppose I could do that. I'm not going to. Um, I can't shower less. I, I'm a one-day, time-a-day guy. I, I don't know where I would cut back on water, honestly. Well, for a lot of folks, it's irrigating their uh, their their plants and their lawns not, and stuff like yeah. that. Judy and I have altered that during times of drought. Uh, Good probably. for you. What do you want? Cookie? <laughs> Actually, if you have one, yes. <laughs> Oh. Would you guys take a five-minute shower? They always recommend that, and I can't do it. Really? How long does your showers take? My showers are at least 20 minutes. Really? Really? What yeah. are you doing in there? Well, I mean, if you want to get yourself good and washed and, you know. What are you doing that takes 20 minutes? Well, I mean, legs, arms, <laughs> back. It takes I'm, a while. I'm familiar Please. with the human body. but uh, you, that's, that's, that's crazy. Fun. I get it done as fast as humanly possible. I, I guess my average shower is... Six minutes long, I would guess. I don't know. 20 minutes, Mine's, really? mine's a fraction of that. It might be three. Do you, uh, like, light candles and put on some Yanni music? And No, no, but I mean, I just think three to five minutes, you really can't get your body clean. I mean, <laughs> you're you get slow, it wet, man. What are I you guess doing? Slow. What are I'm, you doing? You take your soap. Look, look, at, I'm doing it right now. There you go. There's one arm. Look, there's another. Totally covered with soap. There's my pits. Shall I keep going? I believe Take in two minutes. I believe my nooks and or crannies are as clean as they need to be in yeah, a couple of minutes. I don't wow. know. You, now we know why the, the state is short of water. It's Michael. <laughs> and his type. All right, all right. I'll try and speed it up. Hanson, how long does it take you to take a shower? No response. Mm. Eight He's minutes, busy. he says. Eight minutes. Of course, you have luxurious hair. That might have something to do with it. True enough, but Michael squandering all that water. I'll bet you don't even brush your teeth with toilet water either to save <laughs> to save water. <laughs> Any decent Californian does. Yeah, exactly. No, I use bottled water for you know my teeth. I just uh, fill up my whole tank full of bottled water, dip the toothpaste there in there, go. and yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Distilled water. Um, I use I brush with Perrier. <laughs> by the way, we're posting that COVID risk calculator because it's kind of fun to do for you and your kids just to see in black and white your actual risk of dying. Well, and it's tiny and it doesn't even include the vaccine. Right. It, yeah, exactly. So but for the kids, I think for the kids, that's the most significant part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I'm pro vaccine. The idea of mandatory vaccines for little kids is insane. Give us a few minutes. We'll have that for on the COVID. The- I mean. Give us a few minutes, and we'll have that on the website. Why does it take Michael so long to shower, among our topics? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC, and the website is uh, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
we don't care about award shows around here, but the oh, Emmys, yes. the Emmys were the other night, and uh, the the attention that it did get among you know people like most of you listening and us is uh, how you know the celebrities get to be maskless. They get to be in a room maskless. You know why? Because they're vaccinated. And uh, so they're really not that worried about it. But the rest of you don't get to make that decision. If you're having a wedding or um, or a funeral or anything like that, you know, you, you got all kinds of rules you got to follow. But celebrities, they have different rules. Sure, the Emmys back-to-back with the Met Gala. It was just such a beautiful illustration of the, uh, the can class and the no-you-can't class. It turns out that the reason Seth Rogen gave the speech he gave is because he was not super happy about the way this turned out. And was misled. Here's Seth Rogen at the Emmys the other night. Good to be here at the Emmy Awards. Let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. It's not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this. Why is there a roof? It's more important that we have three chandeliers than that we make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. That is what has been decided. This is insane. I went from wiping my groceries to having Paul Bettany sneeze in my face. So, that's a big week. So, while he obviously sounds like he's joking, apparently he was not. He he had a whole thing he was supposed to give, and he went on that and thought, why are we doing this? Uh, I think he's being too worried about covid i was gonna say wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute they're all perfectly safe oh yeah they're vaccinated i not perfectly but safe enough i've done that sort of thing 75 times in the last six months right but is the weirdness of this whole thing that crowd that whole celebrity crowd i mean they're the ones that have been lecturing us about vaccines and masks and all this sort of stuff and they get to get together like this and and um And then somebody who put together, one of the people in charge of put it, Ian Stewart, one of the producers of the Emmys, really didn't like that. He said, we wanted the audience to know how safe it was in there. We work in this industry. We worked very hard. I've done 50 productions nearly in COVID, and I have not gotten people sick, so it's deeply frustrating that he said those things. Yeah, everybody else could do that, too. Like all those restaurants all across the country that didn't get to open up and still can't in L.A. County. Or funerals or all these different things. We know how to do it, too. Yeah, somewhere there's a hardware store assistant manager saying, I've put on 250 productions in the last 250 days, and we haven't gotten anybody sick either. And we're very proud of that. Shut up. What are you talking about? Yeah, the, the, the weird, we're politicians or we're celebrities, so we have special ways of dealing with COVID. But you can't. You can't have your store open. You can't have your restaurant. You can't have a wedding. All these different things. It's wild. And why do we put up with it? It's amazing that we put up with it. And looking at the fine print, again, unless Tony, Tony, Tony is reuniting in San Francisco, because the presence of that great R&B act of yesteryear renders the COVID flaccid. It renders it ineffective. This is just, it's in, unbelievable. And you know what's really, really unbelievable? Is a substantial subset of Americans, might be half, might be more than half, is totally unaware of all this. 
And they are just delighted to be told what to do. And they are still terrified. They are still wiping off their mail. They're yeah. still wearing a mask outdoors. Bunch of freaking crazy people <laughs> slash ignoramuses. I'm tired of cutting them slack. If you're getting cancer <laughs> treatment or whatever, or you're immune compromised, you do what you need to do. Totally fine with that. I would never berate anybody in public. But if you're not in one of those categories and you're wearing a mask outside, you are mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> or just a freaking moron. I'm tired of this. Well, Jeez Louise. Um, You want to hear something grim? It's Friday. Of course you do. Is that a rhetorical question or can I opt out? The Taliban co-founder, Mullah Nuruddin, told the Associated Press this week that the Taliban is going to resume their executions and ampu- amputations that they were known for in the late 1990s quoting the Taliban leader about Afghanistan. Just when uh, Tony, Tony, Tony was hot. (laughs) Bringing back their savage practices as well. Nice little levity in the midst of a gruesome story. The Taliban leader told the Associated Press, cutting off hands is very necessary for security. No one will tell us what our laws should be. We will follow Islam and we will make our laws on the Quran. So they're going to go back to cutting off hands and that sort of stuff and stonings like they did in the past. Wow. Wow is right. It's the new mayor of Kabul. Let's give him a hand. For anybody who has fallen for the ridiculous, the Taliban has changed talk there for a little while. There'll be videos of this stuff. No. Floating around. Uh, yeah, I, no, I'm not, I'm not watching it. Armstrong and Getty.